0: Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and I'm here with my sidekick, Rodney the Bulldog, as usual. And we are back to talk wrestling, but we're not going to talk WWE today. Actually, we're going to focus on NXT takeover results and the the progression of NXT as we head down the road to WrestleMania, and also. All Elite Wrestling, led by La Champion, Chris Jericho, among others. So I'm joined today by my regular wrestling colleague, Scott Tudor.
1: So Scott, thanks for coming on the show. Good afternoon, Ben. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, glad to have you on. And we're joined again by Christian Miscagny.
2: It is my pleasure to join us, both of you great ones. And the Champion is, is here to try to bring his insights whenever possible.
0: Yeah, well, we got a really good following on our last episode, so I'm expecting nothing less than excellence. Again, we'll be the excellence of execution, just like the Heart Foundation.
2: Well, I've always, I've always tried to model my life after Reptart. The yeah. best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Well, speaking about the best that ever will be, we're going to start with NXT TakeOver in Portland. For those who haven't seen that, I thought it was an amazing pay-per-view. I thought the the card from top to bottom was excellent. So, Scott, let's kick it off with uh, Keith Lee versus Dominic Dajakovic. What was your take on this match?
1: Man, we had touched on this one a few episodes ago that I wanted to see these two guys hook it up. And for the North American Championship, these guys, they let it all hang out in that match. Keith Lee was amazing I mean just watching him move around for his size is unreal if anybody listening hasn't watched this guy they need to pay attention because he's on his way up for sure and Dijakovic I had followed him a little in ROH and was always impressed with him and like I'd said I'd been wanting to see these two guys really hook it up in a main event style or a pay-per-view style match and it was nothing to be disappointed
0: I thought Keith Lee was, you know, on a hot streak coming in. He had just gotten the NXT North American championship match or championship title from Roderick Strong. Christian, what was your take on Keith Lee? Because you were a big fan of his in our, our last episode.
2: Uh, I think Keith Lee's been on a tear Survivor Series. I don't think he's let his foot off the engine steps. But but goes about saying, I stand by. I think he is a future world champion somewhere, some point down the line. But I'll tell you what. Dominic showed me a lot. Number one, he's got the look. Great look. He sold me, too. He was going to be a huge star, in my opinion. And I think they delivered a fantastic match. It really could have main evented anywhere.
1: I was getting ready to, you read my mind. That was exactly what I was going to say. That, that match could have been further down the card easily.
0: Yeah. I think what they're they're doing with a lot of these matches now. You know, back when we were growing up in the '80s, usually if you rest, wrestle the first match, it was not really one of the big matches. But now that first match is a really important match. It kind of sets the tone for your pay per view, and you want a match that's a good hot match. Now, I tell you my take on this, and just for the people who aren't familiar with Keith Lee, Keith Lee's probably about six foot two, but probably about three hundred and thirty pounds. I mean, just a, a huge, huge guy. And then Dominic, he's about six foot seven, about two eighty or something. But these guys kind of started a little slow in the matches, I felt, but they had some tremendous pops. I mean, some high points, a lot of going off the top rope, going through tables. I mean a very, very physical match. So at the end, they were really getting pops
1: from the crowd there. What I noticed with these two being basically super heavyweights. Man, that match went on for a long time, and those guys never looked like they were out of gas. That was one of the most impressive things about that match for me. That that match was literally like one of the old-school matches we grew up watching. I mean, it was at least 20 minutes, and these guys were hitting high spots the whole time.
0: Christian, what were some of your high points from this match?
2: Keith Lee's cardio was incredible. Just looking at him, you wouldn't think he'd be able to go wall-to-wall for more than 10 minutes, The I mean, he can go 20 without rest hold. He can fly like a cruiserweight. And I think what you failed to mention about Dominic is his 280, he's pure muscle, isn't he? Keith Lee, who looks like physique, probably looks similar to mine when when I'm having a bad day. But, God, can he move? And can he carries it well. I'm not sure if that guy lifts any weights or cares about his diet at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he can go. And the crowd just loves him. To brush up on something you said, I, I just remember from an, from my OBW days, Al Snow used to say, if you're not the last match on the card, you want to be the first match on the card. Which, at the time, I didn't get. But I thought, I mean, he said, he said that seven years ago. But I think that's interesting, because I think it holds, it holds a lot of truth today.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, Scott, where do you see Keith Lee going right now? What's his direction? Because he and uh, Dominic, they'd had a bunch of matches and they kind of insinuated that this might be the end for now. But where do you think uh, Keith Lee goes next?
1: I mean, in my opinion, they're going to have to do something similar to what we'll be talking about later with the women. They're either going to have to bring somebody big down or over or they're going to have to send him up or over. If you know what I'm saying, he's going to have to mix it up with the likes of of Strowman or Lesnar just to have a good challenge because of his size. Because really right now, Dijakovic, in my opinion, is the only one in NXT that can mix it up with him toe-to-toe and really, really make it work. Christian, what's your take on that?
2: I would hate to see him put with Strowman because I've lost all faith in Strowman, quite frankly. And I would hate to see Keith Lee have to carry him in a long match. I still wouldn't mind seeing him. Keith Lee against Adam Cole Bay Bay. I think I think Adam's always paired against guys that are pretty much his size or a little bit bigger. I think a Adam Cole Keith Lee feud could produce very interesting matches.
0: You know, it could be. I mean, I know they have Damian Priest in NXT. He's a pretty big guy and he can move really well. I mean, I think that could be an interesting match. It is going to be interesting what they see with Keith Lee, do with Keith Lee. And I was reading an article where his girlfriend is in NXT as well. I forgot who he's dating. But he was kind of like taking the Tommaso Ciampa approach. He really didn't want to go up at this time to WWE unless his girlfriend was going to be able to be up there because he wanted to have more time with her. Because I'm kind of with you guys. I think they'd want to move him up a little bit for some challenges. I mean, you could have him with Strowman, you could have him with Roman Reigns, things like that, or a Corbin, but you know, he seems pretty comfortable right now in NXT and is doing a good cool. job. Yeah, I, I think it's too early to move him, quite honestly.
2: I think he's still building, they're still building him well. I just, I really, I, honestly, and I can't trust this enough, I just, I think the worst move would be putting him up there and having him to have Garbage matches with Strowman. I just don't think Strowman – I've lost confidence in Strowman.
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing we do have in common here is we all have confidence in Keith Lee, and so we're glad to see him as North American champion and uh, looking forward to him him
2: continuing. I don't know. It was, it was an undisputed era, Mark. I'm glad to see him as North American champion, but
0: oh, – Well, well, yeah. yeah, but at least he's but getting if pushed. They,
2: but, if, but if they can't have it, he definitely deserves belt. Well, I, I am. I'm happy to see him get some
1: recognition. Yeah. Well, I'll say this: if after that match, if they leave him in NXT, they're going to have to eventually give him a shot at the at the big belt at Goldie.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, move on to the next match. Uh, the next match was a street fight in the women's division with Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox, and of course these women are bitter rivals after Dakota Kai turned on Tegan Knox at the NXT pay per view before. War Survivor, games, right? yeah, war games before Survivor Series. So, Christian, what was your take on this match?
2: Solid, pretty much what I expected. I think they can both work. I think they both really put a lot of emotion and passion into it. I thought it would be uh, actually they exceeded my expectations on on the on the brawling and the bumps overall. Probably, I loved the match. I'd say it was probably the. The weakest match on the card, but, but no disrespect to the match, because to me, I thought every match on the card. It's the first pay-per-view in a long time where I haven't fast-forwarded any matches. So I think it was solid.
1: These two, like Christian said, they, these two have hated each other since the turn at Survivor Series. It's been a good feud buildup, which I enjoy. That takes it back to the old days, like what we grew up with. I thought it was a great start with Dakota jumping tegan you know outside the ring, and I think it was a good twist with making it a, a street fight most of the time you don't see a, a women's street fight, you know that takes it back to the good old w c w days where they would throw that in every now and then with the men so I, I thought it was a good mix up and it it was a good solid match, definitely good.
0: I thought it was a really physical match i mean that, that was really a hardcore match I felt and I thought you know Tegan Knox was really having the advantage during the match me she had her on the table. They you know, went with chairs, a lot of heavy stuff, and then Raquel Gonzalez comes out, which my only negative comment about this match is I didn't like the ending. I thought that was too good of a match to have it end with Raquel Gonzalez coming in like that. Uh, what was your take on that, Christian?
2: I agree with you, but whenever they do the street fight where there's no DQ, you kind of— at least half in your brain, you expect something like that's going to happen. But I think they should have called an audible when they saw how good the match was going and how into the match the crowd was. I think they should have gone for a clean finish.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, but overall, though, generally we
1: like we like this match. Uh,
2: I don't think anybody got hurt.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. So, what what is the story with Raquel Gonzalez? I'm I guess I'm behind the times on that one. Does she have a beef with Tegan or is it, you know, what's going on there? Do you know anything about that, Christian? I got to be honest.
2: I had no idea.
0: Yeah. I didn't know anything about her either. I just thought she's a big, tall woman coming in and maybe it was just a way to kind of introduce her to the crowd.
2: Maybe she's the quote unquote terrible WWE insurance policy brought in. I don't
0: know. Overall, though, we thought it was a good match, a good solid match. And that leads us into match number three, which was one of my personal favorites, Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. Now, my take on this, I, I saw some wrestling reviews where some people didn't like it until the very end because this match to me was an old school NWA match where there was just a lot of technical wrestling going on, which I, I personally like that style. And I thought both Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano did a good job with that. But at the end, I mean, there was a lot of great action, hard hits, a lot of near near falls. I thought it was a really great match. I was glad that Finn Balor won this
1: match and went over. So, Scott, what's your take on this match? So, we are 100% eye-to-eye eye on this match. I Even in my notes here, I've got how they kept it on the ground and they actually wrestled and actually did a technical match. I mean, that, that was the big thing for me. I really enjoyed that because I think 100% of everybody before watching that match expected it to be like a high-flying, off the top rope, over the top rope, out into the floor-type match. And it really wasn't. I mean, there was some of that later. But even leading up to the match, it gave me the big fight feel. And I love when the match does. It kind of lives up to the hype. And it just kind of gives you that big fight feel when the two guys are coming to the ring. And I'm going to say, man, the crowd was hot for this match. I mean, the crowd for this specific match might have been hotter than any of the rest of the matches on the card. Or maybe I was just paying more attention to it. I'm not sure. But I really, really enjoyed this match. And you hit the nail on the head with it being an old-school WCW-type contest. Yeah.
0: Christian, what was your take on this match?
2: Three for three, from what you guys are saying. I think the wrestling fans today have been trained that everything has to be suicide dives, launches, off-the-top rope moves that are high-risk, high-injury. So... Being an old-school fan, I really enjoyed the chain wrestling and the mat wrestling, which to me is almost seems like it's becoming a lost art. I agree. So I loved it. I loved everything about the match. I thought Finn Balor going over. I really did. I saw some foreshadowing. Which I'm not going to say that I predicted the finish of the championship, but let's just say I was not surprised at all.
0: Yeah, I still think with Finn Balor, I mean, he he's the bigger name there, and so I still think they're trying to push him as far as it can. I don't think he's taken a loss since he went back to NXT. No, yeah.
2: but I also don't think it would, it would make any sense to put the NXT title on him either. I think he's kind of there to elevate the brand and just to have another superstar on
1: there. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And you're right, Ben, I don't think he's taken a loss. Christian's absolutely right. I think they've brought him over just to boost him up and get ratings on Wednesday nights, and it's working. The program with him and Gargano is amazing, so...
2: They can try to make him a heel, but, I mean, the crowd's can cheer him regardless.
0: I like Finn Balor as a heel, though. I like this version of Finn Balor.
2: I do, but I think the crowd does too.
0: Mm-hmm. So, to me, I thought this was my match of the card, and I thought all the matches on this card were really good, but I just... I remember at the end I think I was even texting with Scott about it and I said, you know, to me this is one of the best matches I've seen because it takes it took me back to the old, you know, Ric Flair, Barry Windham sixty minute marathons or with Carrie von Eric or Dusty Rhodes. I mean it was a great technical match, but it added the high spots and the, the funny
2: it's funny you wrote that I, in my notes, I have I have Ric Flair, Rick Steamboat, Iron Man match.
0: Well, that was another one too. You
2: know, they used to always start off with a lot of chain and mat wrestling, and then about half halfway through, they'd start doing the high-flying moves.
1: <laughs> one thing I have to call out that I I wrote down is the announcers actually mentioned beautiful Bobby Eaton during the course of that match. I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but that was awesome.
2: <laughs> any, tribute to, any tribute to Bobby Eaton is always a good one.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, I, th- I thought it was a great match. Uh, well done by both, both guys there. And uh, so on to the next match, the NXT Women's Championship match with Rhea Ripley, the champion, defending against Bianca Belair. Christian, we're going to give you the first word to talk about this match because we know you're a big fan of both of them, but especially Bianca Belair getting that championship opportunity.
2: Here, here's my problem. We knew going in that Rhea Ripley was going to win. I think Bianca Belair completely got the shortage of stick on this. I think all the Charlotte Flair stuff... I don't think there's one person in the building that thought Bianca Belair was going to win the match to go face Charlotte at WrestleMania. And that included Bianca's so,
0: parents who were at the match.
2: I think the booking was terrible. They could have waited for the Charlotte Flair thing until after. They had plenty of time to build
0: to it. I agree.
2: Um, so... I love Bianca, but you know how you can sometimes tell when maybe they're not as into it? I think it affected her performance a little bit. I think it definitely affected the crowd. The crowd knew, which I think the crowd, the the crowd gets, really influences how the match seems to go sometimes. So I think the match is good, Bianca's a stud, Leah Ripley's a stud. It was all too predictable. It, I think the booking was terrible. I think if they had done something more like... There's nothing they could have done. There's nothing they could have done that would make you think Bianca had any shot at winning the match. That's my problem with it, and I couldn't get past it.
0: Yeah, I think Which
2: you're... Was very, very disappointing. Yeah. Because booked under the right circumstances... That would have been the main event
1: match. What's your take on that, Scott? I was excited about it, but I'm going along with, with what Christian's saying. I mean, I think we all knew going in that Air was not going to win and there was no chance of, of her winning because there's already been internet fodder of Ripley versus Charlotte. and Everybody kind of has already been really talking about that. However, I think the match was still pretty good. I think that you're right in, in the fact that Bel Air may have been off of her game a little bit, knowing, you know, going into it that there was nothing to gain. But this matchup should, and agree, it should have been booked later. But this is a WrestleMania caliber match to me for the two names. You know, what, let me add what
2: I'm saying. Maybe the match is better than I'm giving it credit for, but maybe just as a fan knowing it, maybe it kind of ruined it just for me.
0: I agree with you guys hundred percent the fact we all knew that Rhea Ripley was gonna win this match. But if you're taking that element out of it, it was a really good match. The problem is, just like Christian said, you can't take that element out of it when you're watching the match. And I completely think that, you know, at the end, Rhea Ripley wins the match as expected, and Charlotte Flair comes from the back and, and whops her down, you know, hits her down. To me, they should have done that. That's how you introduce Charlotte Flair. Rather than having her show up at NXT and, and exactly. all that,
2: exactly like that—that's the big surprise. And, oh, Charlotte's gonna the NXT belt hadn't even been talked about on Raw or SmackDown, and Charlotte coming out and jumping her from behind is like a huge surprise. Oh, she's going for the the NXT title in
0: WrestleMania. Yeah, I agree. I think I think we're spot on.
2: I would have loved to see something like a double pin or for something that made it a three-way at WrestleMania and put Because Bianca was ready to go on WrestleMania as she is.
1: Yeah. And that was exactly the question I was getting ready to ask is, okay, so where does this put Belair? What does she do for WrestleMania? Where, who does she match up with? Because she deserves to be there also.
2: I'd love to see her go against Bailey. I'm afraid my prediction is she wins a women's battle royal.
1: Well,
0: we'll see what happens. we got a few more weeks as we head into WrestleMania. I will tell you this, though. The one thing that this card did for me is it made me buy my ticket to NXT TakeOver for the Saturday before WrestleMania.
2: Oh, did you get one? I did. I remember I asked you if you were going to get anything else, and you yeah. said you were just going to be Sunday. I was thinking, man, I did to. I was like, dude, how can you be there and not, not go to TakeOver? Yeah, for no, nostalgia.
0: I'm going to go, and I'm, I'm going to get the um, – WWE access to so maybe I can meet some wrestlers I, and recruit them for the show I, I, if
2: you're going to be there go all
0: out
1: yeah do it man that'll be fun that'll be awesome
0: yeah alright next match we have here is NXT Tag Team Championship match we had the champions the Undisputed oh. Era with Bobby Fish and uh, Kyle O'Reilly and the Broserweights with uh, oh, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne so Christian Give your thoughts on this, Matt. I'm I'm, sick
2: over it. I don't understand it. I'll be the first to admit, I know that I'm in the minority. I do not get Matt Riddle. I don't like him. I don't like the surfer, hang tough, barefoot, douchebag. I mean, O'Reilly and Fish are just money. I've never, I have never, ever i a bad performance out of Kyle O'Reilly. I was just disgusted.
0: So so sticking with your uh, statement up front that you're uh, an undisputed era mole, right?
2: I'm as big of an undisputed era mark as there is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Scott, did you have a different take on this match?
1: Not really. I mean, I do kind of like Matt Riddle. He kind of throws me in, in the back of the uh, Kevin Boneric days. That's who he kind of reminds me of a little. And Dunn is awesome. I've never seen him have a bad match. I, I like him. And I like their...
2: They're rolling over in their graves right now. When they, just <laughs>
1: they might be. They might be. But he, other than the, the bro attitude and all that, like his movement and his build and, and stuff like that really does remind me of them. But I'm with Christian on Fish and O'Reilly because I go back to ROH. Fish was in a successful tag team over there. And I, I really like them as tag team wrestlers. I kind of like Undisputed Era myself. I kind of like the faction. They're a strong faction. So I, I wasn't real sure what the upset, you know, where are we going with that? And that really made me fear for the upset later in the card as we discussed a little bit previous, and we'll get to that. But one thing I have to mention is they did another old school reference. The announcers did a Barry Horowitz reference <laughs> during this match. And I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but I had to i had to write it down. I did catch that. About-
0: <laughs> well, speaking of announcers, though, you know, we really haven't talked about the announcers for NXT. And um, you have Mauro Ravello. You know, he's been in the news a little bit because Corey Graves had some negative things to say about him. I think Mauro is excellent. I really enjoy his energy. Yeah. He reminds me kind yeah. of kinda like Joey Styles. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. I think
2: he's awesome. I think the energy he brings to the broadcast, I don't know what the beef for Tim and Graves was, but. Man, he's great. I'd much rather see a two-man team of him
1: and Nigel. I like her being there just from having the presence of the Glamazon and you know, her take on the women's side of it. I like her, but you've hit the nail on the head. Ravello, if I'm saying it correctly, man, he, he brings high energy. It's just like watching UFC with Joe Rogan or ECW with Joey Styles, like you mentioned. I mean, that brings the energy. That helps bring energy to the fight or the match. I mean, it makes you want to get into it.
2: Ben, yeah, that's an excellent point. I think he, I think he sells the stories, and I think he sells the matches. I think Graves and Cole are great, especially with the crap product called SmackDown that they have to work with. Man, but I think he's great. I mean, maybe I maybe I'm maybe I'm going way out on a limb here, but I might enjoy him the most of all the WWE announcers right now. He,
0: he's my favorite of, the, of their announcers, and I'm just going to give him a shout out because we haven't talked about the announcers on NXT, but I just think. He's excellent. He brings that energy that makes NXT really exciting to watch. And, and I just think he's a true
1: asset. Hey, while we're talking about these guys, why does Nigel McGinnis not wrestle anymore? He was a good wrestler.
2: Neck injuries. Ben Wilson will appreciate this. One of his first wives, Rachel Howe, was actually in our law school class. Uh, really? When he, when he was in developmental and this is when he was wrestling up in—they had a developmental up in Cincinnati, and they had OVW. Who is his wife? And his wife's name was Rachel. She was in our law school class. She's an attorney now here in Louisville.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't remember her.
2: Yeah. So, interesting fact.
0: Yeah, it is interesting.
2: I think injuries are what kept him from making it.
1: Yeah. You know, he was pretty legit in uh, TNA as uh, Desmond Wolfe. I think he went under that moniker. Over there, and I, I really like him.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I think I think him and oh, I can't pronounce the guy's name either. And the guy we were just talking about, the N- great guy,
0: Nigel, I think, Nigel I think, McGinnis. I
2: think, I think Nigel and God, what's his name?
0: Mario Velo.
2: I think they complement each other perfectly. Nigel doing mm-hmm. more of the scientific play-by-play and uh, ring psychology and the excited. But him kind of almost, the fans can live
0: vicariously through his amount. Exactly. That's what I was getting ready to say. I mean, he kind of, the way he broadcasts is like the way I would broadcast if I was at the match, because I'm usually saying the same things that he's saying or, or kind of close
2: exactly. to it. Exactly. And, and you can tell he's excited and you can tell he likes it. He's not faking. At least if, he, if he's faking, then he's a hell of an actor.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they do complement each other quite well. That's That's a good point. So
0: moving on to the next match and the final match of the evening, we had the NXT Championship match with the champion Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa. So, Scott,
1: i uh, let give you the first word on this match. So as I've mentioned to both of you guys before, and, and we brought it up multiple times in previous episodes, I'm big fans of both of these guys. They were in ROH when ROH was super hot. They faced each other over there. They faced each other over here. Great high-impact match, told a great story, good buildup. Cole going after Ciampa's neck is a good story because I've, I actually follow Ciampa on Instagram and I've watched his whole comeback, which has been an amazing story. And it's just, you know, Cole attacking the, the neck is perfect. It's perfect for the Undisputed Era-style attitude. I really love this match. I thought it was a good main event. Yeah. So, Christian, what's your take on this match?
2: Great match, number one. I think we discussed this earlier. When uh, O'Reilly and Fish lost the tag title, I had a very bad feeling that Cole was going to drop the title. I um, did too. And I didn't know if they were going to split Undisputed Era up because, as we mentioned briefly, and we don't get into it, I'm not exactly sure what they're doing with Roger Strong right now. But, like I said, after uh, Johnny Wrestling lost, plainly, I didn't predict that he would come out. When he did come out, I mean, I think it was telegraphed and blatantly obvious that he was going to cost Chomo the title. I thought it was a great match, but of course, I was very happy to see Cole retain. And the end of Steve's era can still live on because there was plenty of times when Flair was the only horseman holding the title and the other guys had to protect him. So, he keeps the undisputed era, keeps keeps him alive. Adam Cole's just too good not to be the champion. And they and planned on moving him somewhere. I think, I mean, I think he's by far the best that NXT has. I thought it was a great match. I thought bringing Johnny Wrestling out to set up the feud with them and, uh, Chomo, I think that protects Chomo a little bit, puts him right into that
0: feud. That's going to be a people good feud. am looking going
2: for- to remember that he, that he lost.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that the revival again with uh, Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. I think going back to what I said with Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, one of the reasons why I like that match was the technical aspect of the wrestling. And I think those two guys can put that kind of a match together. And, you know, we were talking about the next direction of Finn yeah. Balor. I know he's making an announcement this week as to his future. I think they're going to put him and uh, Adam Cole together. To me, that would be a heck of a match. I'd really like to see it. Oh,
2: this he would be sick.
0: Why? You didn't like it?
2: No, I mean, it'd be sick as in oh, it unbelievable. Like, yeah. Like, give them a couple matches. Give them an Iron Man match. Give them, I mean, God, give them an Iron Man match at WrestleMania. He's only a 30-minute one. I mean... They would, tear the, they would literally tear
1: the house down. Agreed. Let, let them build up to it and let them go at it, man. That, that would be money. Those two would be money. I mean, just
0: that match alone, if it's Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, that's worth the price of admission that I had to pay for NXT TakeOver. And like you guys said, I wouldn't even mind seeing that as a WrestleMania match because not that we were going to go too much into WWE, but AJ Styles is one of the guys at WWE – Frequently relies on to deliver that classic match, and he would be like the middle match. Well, the rumor is he's going to go against the Undertaker. With that being said, that wouldn't be really be a classic map, match.
2: But AJ AJ will do his best to carry Undertaker. Yeah, Undertaker will be
0: yeah. So I'm thinking like, hey, what's that really great mid card match that kind of like steals the show? And to me, that's I think
2: you got to put. I think you have to put the NXT title on the line at WrestleMania. Yeah. The way they're acting like they're three equal brands now. I, mean, I I don't think you can put the woman's title on the line and not the
0: men. Yep. Now that's a, that's a really good point. So anyway, that's what I'd like to see. So Christian, right now, what's your take on um, the direction for Undisputed Era?
2: For now, the Roderick Strong thing. I, like I said, I'm a little bit confused because usually, if your opponent is making sexual overtures to your wife and is talking about your son, I would think that that would be the heel, doing that to the baby face.
0: You're talking about Love Team Dream.
2: So I don't like the booking there. And then I really don't like the booking that they beat Roderick Strong cleanly on Wednesday. I was very happy to see the Undisputed Era give him a beatdown afterwards. And Nigel McGinnis quoting the great Jesse Ventura he sure don't look like no winner. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I don't know how far they're going to run with this tag team title situation. I'm guessing that they're going to, undisputed air is going to kind of fade back a little bit. And their job is really, which I hate to see, but I understand why. Is it, it's going to be to make sure that Adam Cole doesn't lose the title. Mm-hmm. I think they'll, I think they'll be relegated more into the henchman role.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. So, uh, Scott, what are some things that you're looking forward to from NXT as we head into the road, the road to WrestleMania, including even even some women's feuds?
1: Well, like I stated before, I want to see where Bianca Belair goes from here. What are they going to do with her? What are we doing with Keith Lee? You know, who are they hooking him up with to keep him on the road to the mountain that he's on? You know what are they going to do with the Undisputed Era? Where where are they going to go from here? I have to kind of agree with Christian there. I think that they'll play like a horseman role, like the old days when Flair at times would be the only one with the belt, and that's fine because the horseman carried it. And I think uh, Undisputed Era can carry it. So
2: right. I like how the end of NXT this week was the Undisputed Era just four on one takeout over Team Green.
1: Right, they're the team you love to hate, but you know us older guys actually love them. So,
2: <laughs> so I think they can go without as long as Sebey has the has the title. I think the other guys are are okay for a while not having any belts.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see how things keep panning out as we you know head down the road to WrestleMania. But so far, I mean, I think NXT right now as far as wrestling product. I think it's fantastic. I thought this pay-per-view was fantastic. I really enjoy their matches. And I guess for me as a fan, I kind of wish it wasn't going on the same time as AEW because I want to be able to watch both. And like I can tape one and try to watch, but then I just get so busy that I don't always have time do that. So I just think NXT is really, really good right now. I think honestly, their wrestling product is is better than what we're seeing on Raw and SmackDown by far, especially in the women's division with the depth that they have. It was interesting. They interviewed Triple H after this podcast or after this uh, event. And he was like, you're not going to see any better product than that. And he specifically said the NXT women's division is by far the best of any of the Women's wrestling out there, and I think he's hundred percent right. What do you say, Christian?
2: No question. As a matter of fact, I think that's the only thing. Uh, first off, I think Wednesday night is the best wrestling night. And then, come on, you got DVR. You can you can, you can do four hours. Uh, I, I
0: four do, hours, but then I get busy.
2: Great. I mean, I think the main thing that NXT has over AEW is the women's division. Absolutely. And I think by far, NXT crushes Raw and crushes
0: SmackDown. Yeah, well, the thing I like about it is they wrestle. You know, all these weird storylines and talking about this and that. I mean, on Raw and, and SmackDown, it gets boring. You know, not to talk too much about them, but I like the wrestling aspect. That's why I really, really enjoyed that Finn Balor-Johnny Gargano match. It was wrestling, these light heavyweight matches with Lido Rush, and I forgot the guy who was wrestling, but... They're fantastic.
2: Leo Rush is a bad man. I'd love to see him. Uh, I would have loved to see an NXT, or I guess now it's just called the Cruiserweight title. I'd the Cruiserweight. that make it to like uh, the pre-show WrestleMania?
1: Yeah. One thing I'll say about Triple H, if you know anything about him, he is a huge historian for wrestling. He He loves the old school, like all the history behind wrestling. He is a student of it. So I think, and I think there's a couple of things going on here. I think he likes to go back to that and bring back some of the old school wrestling that we love. And also there's always been a little bit of a competition between him and Vinnie Mack, whether you believe that or not, I know it's his father-in-law and he's gotten to where he's gotten because of that, but there's a little bit of a competition between those two. And I think this is a little bit of a middle finger to raw and SmackDown. <laughs> for uh, Triple H. I
2: think we're all waiting for Vinny Mac to step down and Triple H to be running everything because I think you're going to see WWF at its peak again.
0: So, well, with that, let's transition from NXT to AEW because we really haven't talked too much about AEW lately. I thought last Wednesday's match in Atlanta was probably the best AEW Dynamite that I have seen. And I'm just going to start with the ending because I thought it was it was that good was the steel cage match with Cody versus Wardlow. And we know one thing going in to a steel cage match in Atlanta involving a Rhodes, a Rhodes is going to bleed in that match. It didn't take long for Cody to, to be busted open. But uh, I guess uh, Christian, what was your take on this? Cause this was the first time I'd seen Wardlow wrestle and I thought he did a nice job.
2: You know, it's funny you say that because I was YouTube and trying to find Wardlow in some type of independent just to see him wrestle at all. I didn't find anything. I don't know if he was very, very deep in the indies that don't even have YouTube. So I think that's just a testament to how good Cody has become. I mean, five years ago, I mean, we never... If you had told me that Cody Rhodes would be, in my opinion the top babyface in all of pro wrestling right now and and a legit main eventer and a legit superstar, I would not have believed you. I would have said he's a mid-carder at best. Man, the match had everything. You want to talk about history? For a second, until MJF came onto the screen, I thought Iron Anderson was going to turn on him and slam the cage in his face. Like he did to Dusty, but then when MJF came into the stream and said, "Do it," you knew he wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. But that was a great throwback. Cody put everything he had into that match. You knew he was gonna. You knew the color was gonna be on him immediately. I think he made Wardlow look like a million bucks. I think Wardlow is now a legitimate. I don't know if you're gonna say superstar, but yeah, I'm gonna say superstar. He's a legitimate star. An AEW because of Cody Rhodes and because of being in such a high-profile first match. Man, I just thought the build-up, going from the 10 lashes... Oh my gosh, which yes. I, which, I thought, ...which I thought was unbelievably done. We haven't talked about it on air, but I thought that was just unbelievably done. I don't think I an angle that WBS could ever pull off right now. Everything about the match I loved. I can't say enough good things about it. I think it's fair to say right now that... I mean, to me, Wednesday night is the night of wrestling. That—that's the night where I try and make sure I don't have any any other obligations because it's the two best shows in wrestling. And I thought the match—I don't think the match could have been better. And and of course, you know, the finish, which is always a risk. Doing. Did
0: uh, a backflip off of the top of the cage.
2: I mean, you know, Wardlow had to be in perfect position for it to look real. I thought it was just great. I thought MJF sold it great, crawling up the aisle as the show was going off the air, knowing that now it's for real. And I think the pay-per-view card right now, every match has me excited.
0: Hey, Scott, talk a little bit about MJF, because he, he was not involved in this match as a wrestler, but I just love his character. I think he's a great heel and I just think they have really done an excellent job building up to this this match with Cody, like Christian said.
1: MJF is money. I mean, he is the consummate heel. He reminds me a lot of what they were doing with EC3 over in TNA, which don't even get me started on that. I, I still feel like they're wasting him. But MJF, he played his part during this match. I was going to bring that up, that he and Arn Anderson were like the Outside pieces for this puzzle, for this match, and they pulled it off beautifully. MJF, as Christian alluded to, the buildup to this match, MJF has been perfect with the the ten lashes and the all the stipulations that he's had. I mean, I, I can't say enough. He's probably, quite honestly, he's one of the best heels in the business. He's in the top three right now.
2: And I think you can also a quick shout out. I think Brandy Rose the last couple of weeks. I guess really the last, you know, I'm glad they dropped the silliness she was doing. I think her coming out during the ten lashes, during calling to get up to take the final lash, and uh, her coming out with think, during the cage match. I think it's a little subtle things. I think she does a great job of bringing some realism to it and making it seem more important.
1: I agree. Brand Brandy's money. I've always liked her. I actually liked her. In WWE, I I think she's great, and, and I think you're right. I think Cody may have put his thumb on that one and said, "You know what? Let's let's get out of this stuff and let's make it more realistic."
2: I think she was great.
1: Yeah.
0: So that was the finale of of a dynamite. But I just felt that when Cody went up to the top of the the cage and did the backflip and just landed like that, he got up there and he didn't pause long. He got up there and he got set and he just did it. And, you know, Wardlow was in the right position. He moved over a little bit. And I just thought it was a great, great match. And I think the other thing, too, that we didn't see on the air, but I saw, you know, when they were doing videos of stuff off the air, he talked to the fans afterwards and talked about how important Atlanta oh, uh, is. just tremendous, And, you know, how Atlanta was such an important town to AEW because he grew up there. And, of course, the history with WCW and NWA, and the fans were just really behind it and talking about how, you know, that they will be back. And I thought their crowd was a big crowd there. It looked like pretty much the lower arena of the Hawks Stadium was, was full. So they probably had 14,000, 15,000 people there. And I thought the crowd was great. I mean, what do you uh, think about that, Christian? Because I know you, you were aware of that too.
2: Tremendous. Not to shift gears, but I mean, on the boat, I'm going to switch to live champion just for one, just to make one point. Mm -hmm. You know, on the boat, it was Jericho's boat and Jericho's show. So that was very organic, the crowd singing along to Judas when he came out. Mm -hmm. But in Atlanta, I mean, that was a big crowd. And they sang along with Judas for quite a while, too, which I thought was uh, pretty cool that showed how into it they were. I think the AEW crowds have been been great, and I thought they were rich. They were unbelievable in the Cody match. I thought, like you said, his interview post-match, I mean, to me, that's what put him over the top to me and made him, I, I think, the top baby face in wrestling right now. I thought it was just a, gr- a great promo to end a great
0: show. Yeah, and I'm I'm really pumped for that Cody versus MJF match. I just think it's going to be off the charts. And-, and I
2: hate to say this because you you know all you all know how big of a Jericho Mark I am, and I've always been a believer that the championship match should go on last. In this situation, I would have no problem with Cody and MJF going on last. I agree. I
1: agree with that. And I think Dusty was smiling down during that cage match because it was definitely something out of his book. Yeah.
0: Well, sticking with Jericho, let's just go ahead and move on to the La Champion. He's gearing up for a battle with uh, John Moxley for the AEW title. But they introduced a new wrestler Wednesday night, and it's Jeff Cobb. Scott,
1: tell me your thoughts about Jeff Cobb in this match with Moxley. Jeff Cobb is, to me, back in the day, ECW. Taz was probably my top ECW guy, and this guy really reminds me of Taz a lot in a lot of ways.
2: That was very cool. They brought out Taz to not interrupt you, but they brought out Taz to announce during his match. Is almost a throwback. Them thinking what you are thinking.
1: Yep, exactly. And I think they brought the right guy out to to try to take Moxley out. Thought it was good, man. I I, I'm a fan of the guy. I thought it was great. Yeah.
0: So uh, Christian, what's your take on this battle with uh, Jericho and Moxley? You know,
2: I got to be honest, and I and this pains me to say. I'm not crazy about the buildup of late. Okay, number one, it's one thing 10 years ago, 20 years ago, to have Paul and Nash have tickets to Nitro when they're trying to pretend like they're from WWF. I don't understand the logic and why the inner circle and why your company's heavyweight champion would have to come out with tickets to watch the match. So, I thought that was ridiculous, made no sense, and I don't know why Jericho's creativity would ever think that was a good idea. But they don't need to be showing tickets like they weren't banned from the arena. I don't know. I thought I'd be super fired up for this match. I was at one point. At one point, I thought it was a lock that Moxley was going to win the title. I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Jericho somehow finds his way. Okay, and especially if Cody and MJF go on last, then I think there's no question Jericho's retaining the title.
0: Mm. Well, he has been doing sit-ups to work on that that championship physique. so
2: He's looking a little bit better, I
0: think. Yeah, there for a while. I mean, I had to hate on Jericho a little bit, and I I like him. I like him as a singer and stuff, but, you know, he was looking a little – uh, pudgy.
2: Well, he's forty nine, and I think it was kind of that rock star. Uh, that rock star look. And I think he could still go even with the extra ten pounds on his gut. But uh, I think you can tell that he's that he's that he's gotten himself in a little bit better shape. I think maybe that's why they kept him out of the ring the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, I just know that I could tell in his conditioning, even like in his matches with uh, Jungle Boy. You could tell that Jericho was getting winded pretty early, and I'm like, "Yeah," and you know, it just wasn't the the best look. But uh, but we'll see. But I kind of agree with you guys on it. I'm I'm more excited for the Cody MJF match than I am the Jericho Moxley thing because I've not been a big fan of the whole eye patch thing. Now that match that Moxley had the week before with Santana, I thought was great. I'm a big fan of Santana and Ortiz, but I don't know. I mean.
2: The Santana interview
0: almost made you want to cheer for Santana. I love Santana. I mean, I think they're fantastic.
2: Because that was kind like a baby face interview when he was talking about his dad being blind and the dad dying. I mean, I don't
1: know.
0: Yeah. So, Scott, what's your take
1: on this right now? So, I, I'm kind of with uh, Christian on on there. That interview almost made you want to pull for the heel. I'm not sure how good of a move that actually was. But I have to agree that I, that whole eye patch thing is kind of, It was kind of cool at first because Moxley was kind of pulling off like the Snake Plissken-type look from Escape from New York. I don't know if you guys know that old movie, but it's a classic. But I think they've carried it a little bit too far now with going back and forth, and it's kind of like Moxley's taking out his aggressions on other people besides Jericho when he should be trying to go for Jericho. And I don't know. I I think now, to me, I'm I'm exactly with you guys on this. I I think I'm more pumped up for Cody and uh, MJF than I am that match, which I'm going to be glad to finally see the Moxley, Moxley match come to fruition.
2: This may sound stupid and against what I normally say, because I normally complain about not enough build-up. I almost feel like this Moxley-Jericho match has been built up for too long.
1: That's a good point. Too much. They overdid it. So I, I agree with that. That's kind of where I was going.
2: I don't know. Maybe, just like today. maybe that's just a testament to today and the 24 news cycle and stuff. And maybe... Maybe you only need a month to build something up as opposed to the two and a half months that we've had where it seems like they've kind of run out of things to do to build it up.
0: Yeah. I guess the point is, you know, they're trying to have Moxley go through all of Jericho's cronies in some form or fashion. So he's now defeated Santana in a match. I think he beat Ortiz in a match. He's now beaten Jeff Cobb. I don't think he's faced Sammy Guevara, but... You know, so he's kind of going through ever all the henchmen before he gets to Jericho for his shot but I, I just think from a booking standpoint they need they need to keep Jericho as a champion when they had the the Jericho cruise, and like you said Christian when he came out and the the crowd was singing Judas the whole thing it's like why would you want to take seen the heat anything off?
2: like that
0: in yeah why would you want to take the heat off of, of, of somebody like that and I feel like with Jericho maybe he does lose to Moxley and he you know he's got the comeback and this and that but I think the more compelling story is Jericho beats him and Moxley has to continue his climb to try to get the title.
2: Yeah, and Moxley has to go back to the drawing board or put him in in some other feud to have have somebody maybe surprisingly cost him the match. Yeah. You know, kinda do a promo that, you know, when they find Moxley they kinda you know, I'm just I'm thinking out loud. You know they signed him, you know, as the big star from up north to, to come in and be the star here, and he hadn't really earned his stripes and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's just I don't know. I don't know what it is because I was always a Dean Ambrose fan. I like Moxley, but he just hadn't done it for me lately.
0: Yeah. Well, sticking with Jericho's group here, we're going to finally get to see Jack Swagger in the ring against Dustin Rhodes at the pay-per-view. I'll be honest, I'm not really a big fan of Jack Swagger. I think um, – or Jake Hager now. Sorry, Jake Hager. Gosh, I'm referring yeah. to him as a WWE guy, but Jake Hager. The thing about it is, is when he's done his attacks and stuff, his punches just look weird. I mean, just – I don't know. When he first came in, I was excited, but now I'm I'm not. Scott, what, am I wrong in this?
1: No, you're not wrong. I've, I've been on the same boat as you definitely the last six weeks or so. I'll throw his name back out there. I liked him as Jack Swagger back in WWE until they started kind of writing him off. But the Jake Hager character, I'm not, you know, at first I loved it. Now it's kind of, okay, when are you going to wrestle, dude? When are you going to, you know, I'm, I'm on the Dustin Rhodes train here of, are you just going to sit around and draw a paycheck or are you ever going to get in the ring? I mean, I'm not sure what the holdup is. I'm not sure if he has an injury that they're they're not letting out or, or what. But I do think that Dustin Rhodes is the right guy to match him up with. I think that could be They could make that a good match. They could make that money.
0: I think the holdup for this match was the fact that Dustin Rhodes had a legit injury. I think he broke his forearm or something. I mean, he he had a real injury. And I thought they were going to do something with Jake Hager and Luchasaurus, but that really didn't turn into much. Christian, what's your take on this with Dustin and Jake Hager?
2: This is the first time I'm going to disagree with you all. I think they have done a fantastic job of rehabilitating a former champion, Turned into a a mid-card joke in WWE. I think they have rehabilitated him by making him Jericho's pretty much number one muscle. I think by making us wait to see him, I think there's some anticipation to see how he will do in the ring. I'm actually excited to see him in the ring. And guys, you all correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, I have never seen Dustin Rhodes at least in the last 20 years in better physical shape. Even his matches was better or crisper. His arms were cut than I've ever seen. I think every one of his matches has been good.
0: I think an AEW, has been fantastic.
2: I think he's been unbelievable. I mean, I think seeing him transform back into... I would think he looked he looks much better physically.
0: Well, that match I think did he, he move better? Yeah.
2: I don't know what he weighs now compared to what he weighed when he was Gold Dust, but I think he looks leaner. I think he's moving better. I think he has the best power slam. I, I, I was the power slam, but you know, the off, swing him off the ropes and do the body slam. Him mm-hmm. and Randy Orton have the best two in the business. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm actually excited for that match. I Agree with you all about Hager. I think they've rehabilitated Hager to where he will get a lot of heat. I imagine uh, probably Sammy will come out with him. I think it's going to be a very solid match, but he's going to go over with some kind of cheap sex.
0: Yeah, well, I, I agree. And I guess to back that up a little bit, I like the the idea of him with as Jake Hager, and I was excited. It's just when I was seeing the execution, it was just like the way he was throwing the punches, it just – looked like he was rusty or something. I don't know, but I mean, I think he's miles and miles better in this situation, in AEW than he was as Jack Swagger at the end of his WWE run. Cause like you said, he was a joke, but I, I just, and I do think probably the fact that Dustin Rhodes got hurt that delayed this for a while, because I think the the intent was probably always to have him go against Dustin Rhodes. It's just that injury delayed it, but, uh, but we'll see, you know, I hope, I hope he comes out and gives a great performance because you need him to be good in AEW.
2: I think he will. And just a quick interruption, quick throwback that I forgot to mention. How good was Dustin Rhodes when Cody's being strapped, when Dustin came out and begged to let him take the last five for Cody? Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that just brought more emotion and more realism to it. You know, I've got two younger brothers, and I can imagine it it helps me suspend disbelief. And, man, if my brother was sitting there getting whipped, I mean, I would definitely run out and ask if I could take the whips for him. I think AEW is great. at adding the little
1: things. Yeah, perfect puzzle piece. Just like Brandy being out there, I thought it was perfect for him to come out there and ask to take the last five. I thought it was a good move, good acting job. You know, made it believable. I agree. I've got a younger brother as well.
0: So we'll stick in on with uh, with Jericho's group here. You we've mentioned Sammy Guevara a few times. We haven't talked about him on the on the show in much detail, but he's got an interesting feud brewing with Darby Allen. So Scott, what's your take on th- this feud?
1: I think it, this feud is money. They're building up Sammy Guevara being with the inner circle. Anybody in the inner circle right now is is red hot. And Darby Allen, as weird as he is, I enjoy watching his wrestling matches. He's a high flyer. He does some crazy, innovative stuff. And I've always been one for the for the innovation. That's why I always liked ECW so well, because they would pull moves out, you know, and make them regular before WCW or WWE ever used them. And I think that's kind of what you're looking at with uh, Allen. I think he's going to be that guy. And two months down the road, you're going to be seeing guys in, in those two uh, organizations or other organizations using his moves. Yeah. Christian, what's your take on this?
2: I think Sammy putting him with Jericho is the smartest move they could have made because character wise, I mean, he's just great. Just little throwaway stuff. Like Sammy keeps the crowd singing his song when they walk out. And uh, when they were on the mic together, Jericho was always talking, you know, always putting him over and Darby Allen, Man, I knew nothing about him. And I guess he won me over, I guess, the first time he fought, it was early in AEW. He fought somebody, but I can't remember if it was Jericho or if it was Moxley or if it was Cody. But anyway, bottom line, I love Darby Allen. I can't believe that they were, I think this shows how good creative is. They're able to make somebody that small into almost a credible upper mid-carder, lower main event type guy. And I think him and Sammy will have the match of the night.
0: That's a very good point because I will say this for Sammy Guevara. He can really move in the ring. I mean, you know, he's kind of the light heavyweight, but you know, I think it's a good pairing with him and Darby, and they really can move in the ring. I guess going back to our NXT discussion, like, you know, you had Johnny Wrestling versus Finn Balor. I mean, guys like Adam Cole, those guys can just move in the ring. And I think from a technical standpoint, they're going to be able to deliver.
2: Yeah, this reminds me more of like uh, old WCW getting excited for like a huge cruiserweight title match, something like, you know, Mysterio versus Guerrero. Now, I'm not trying to put them on that level, but, you know, just with their size. And like I said, I think I think Sammy is just the perfect heel. I mean, you know, always Facebook and their Instagram and himself when he's coming out. Mm hmm. Even during a beatdown, making sure his hats on backwards and straight when they're beating somebody else down. I don't know this, but I bet he's probably learned a lot from Jericho on character and psychology.
1: I agree. And I think you're on point with that's why they put him there, so he could learn from the the veterans. And nobody better to learn from than Jericho. And I
2: guess i say this, because I am an inner circle mark, too, but I think Darby Allen has to get the win on this
0: one. I think so. I would agree with that. we well, moving on to the tag team rings now. You know, Wednesday night they had a big battle royal, huh?
2: I'm super excited for this tag match.
0: Yeah. So before we get to the tag match, we had a, a tag team battle royal. Ten teams to see who is going to be the number one contender to challenge the champions, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. So in this, we had the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson. You had the best friends, Chuck Taylor from Murray State and Trent. The Butcher and the Blade, the Dark Order, or as some refer to them as the Dork Order. The Hybrid 2, the Inner Circle, Santana and Ortiz, Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Private Party, SoCal Uncensored, so Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, and the Strong Hearts. So, Christian... What are your thoughts on this Tag Team Battle Royal with the Young Bucks coming out on top?
2: Looking back, it makes sense now, because, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but the little things that AEW does, the little ways they've been, almost like the Young Bucks coming out when Omega and Hangman win, and and it's almost like the guys, almost to the point where they don't go overboard, but they're almost like... A little bit annoying. It's like, yeah, let them enjoy their victory. You know, it it seems like you're always in their face and bothering them. Definitely bothering the hangman and making him want to drink. Yeah. I thought, I thought Santina and Ortiz were going to go over. But then once the Bucks did, it made more sense. Yeah. And it actually made me more excited for the match because I think, I think there's going to be some type of turn. I think they want us to think. The hangman Adam Page is going to make a turn. I don't think that's going to happen. I think maybe what's going to happen is it's going to be some type of situation where Omega has to choose between the Bucks and his partner. Everybody's going to expect him to go with the Bucks, And I think he's going to go full-fledged heel. And I think they're going to keep the tag title. I think there's going to be some type of twist but I think it's going to be a phenomenal. I mean, I, I may have spoken too soon. When I said Darby and Sammy are going to have Match of the Night, I think they're going to be neck and neck with this match for Match
0: of the Night. Yeah. Scott, what's your take on this? The Battle Royal and the,
1: the Bucks getting a matchup here with Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. Typically, I don't like Tag Team Battle Royals, but I thought this one was well done. I thought the action was amazing. I'm glad that they put the young bucks over and I think AEW has done a good job of not really putting the young bucks over and and like just handing them the belts right off the bat. I think that they've let the build up go really well and and you know the young bucks have had to face a lot of adversity. They're not just coming in and just winning everything. And I'm with Christian, there's going to be some sort of turn and and I'm real interested to see because they're also playing on an angle. If you guys have been noticing that every time that Omega and page do their little double team move page ends up clotheslining him every now and then. So I'm thinking that if he, if he turns, I think it's going to be a surprise turn and everybody's thinking page is going to turn on him. But I, I think that it could be the other way around. I think Omega might finally just say, you know what? I'm going to give you what's coming because you've been hitting me with that clothesline for the last several months. So I don't know. I'm anxious to see it. I think there is going to be a turn and it'll be a good one. They'll, they'll do it well.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned this idea of a turn with Kenny Omega, and we're going to go back to this tag team match, but he's in this battle with Pac over, you know, they're going to have a 30 Iron man Ironman match next week. I think Pac has been fantastic, but it, it seems like just to kind of create something fresh, if you had Kenny Omega turn, join Pac and then he's battling against the Bucks and Hangman Adam Page or Hangman Adam Page and somebody else because Hangman Adam Page has had beef with both Pac and Kenny Omega. So, Christian, what do you think about that?
2: Well, first of the match, I think Pac goes over because I think, as we discussed earlier, I think, I think Kenny Omega can take a loss here, and it doesn't hurt him. I think Kenny Omega at this point is almost untouchable. He can take a loss to anybody and can be rehabilitated into a main eventer. He's that over. So I think it would make no sense to have Pac lose after being off TV and after building this up for so long, and the fact that Omega has is co-holder of the tag titles. I hope they don't do something stupid like have interference from page or something that costs Omega the match. I hope it's just a, a straight match with no interference. See, here's my thing. I think they made it blatantly clear on TV that Hangman wants nothing to do with the elite. He wants nothing to do with the Young Bucks.
0: Maybe he's going Stan Hansen.
2: Well, yeah. I don't know. If Omega turns, then is he still in the elite? Then that taints the Young Bucks' victory? I don't know. I'm not with you on that one. I don't think they could book that one right. If, if Omega make turned on hangman and if that led to the Bucks winning the tag title, they've almost painted the Bucks as like almost like they'd be too noble to like take the tag belts that way. Maybe I'm on. Just thinking out loud. But I think him I think him being on the same page with the hangman finally and then just kind of being like F U to the Bucks, F.U. you to the elite would be an interesting twist. Assuming Jericho keeps the title, that could be something to pick up with uh, Moxley, possibly, I don't know who you're teaming with, but but possibly getting in a a tag team feud, because I think him and Moxley and Omega have unfinished business, and they can obviously bring it every time.
0: Scott, do you have any insight on uh, how you think Kenny Omega is going to turn and what direction that might go?
1: Yeah, I'm sticking with with what I was saying there with a theory of Paige keeps hitting him with that clothesline whenever they do their double team. And then every time Omega kind of wants to celebrate with him after a win, it's like he turns his back on him and walks away. I think Omega's finally going to say, you know what? I I got your number. I'm going to give you you, what's been coming. So I, I think it could go that way.
2: Does he turn his back on him, or does he turn his back on the young bucks coming out and trying to bask in their glory?
1: It's kind of a mix. It seems like it's kind of a mix. Yeah.
0: I think you'd have to turn on Hangman Adam Page, to Scott's point. But I just kind of feel like if if Pac's not involved in some way, he's kind of like a dangling Chad out there. I mean, what's where, his direction right now? I mean, he kind of needs to have something. So I don't know. We'll, we'll probably get some more answers on Wednesday night as to the direction this might be taking.
2: But I'm assuming we in the pay-per-view. If he gets a win over Omega – Again, and I know I keep harping on this, they, they really need to get a mid-card title. I know they're getting ready to have a second show put on the air. They have to get a television title or, or some type of mid-card title because the roster is starting to get big and it's, it's only going to grow now with Matt Hardy, Luke Harper, some other guys who I've never heard of but who I, everybody are, are ranting and raving on. It just seems like you're going to have to have Oh, real quick. Shout out to Brittany Baker, the dentist. I think her and Tony Giovanni have been absolutely hysterical. <laughs> I
1: agree. I love that framework. I love that, that storyline. I, I think it's great.
2: She's clearly been getting some coaching from her real-life boyfriend, Adam Bebe Cole, because her mic work is on a complete 180 and i think she is just tremendous as a as a heel who at first <laughs> tries to act like she's not being a heel and brings me <laughs> out know, the starbucks cup and always goes well let's give it up for tony <laughs> i think it's great and i think tony's like the perfect straight man for it
1: yeah yep I saw something on the internet where, you know, I'll review other people's uh, podcasts and stuff, and they were talking about getting Shivani and uh, Britt Baker to do, like, call a whole match together. I I think that would be gold. I think it'd be funny
2: if some type of twist happened where Tony ends up helping her with the title. Like, Tony, you know, something where, like, I think it'd be goofy, but funny, like some type of romance or something.
1: Right, right. It'd be a good storyline.
2: Well, I guess I guess one thing to touch on, and, and I mentioned it earlier, is that's my, best, my one my one beef with AEW. Is with the exception of Britt Baker, I honestly couldn't care less about the women's division. I mean, I know that I mean, you know, the, the girl who was the champion, the small, she couldn't talk. The other girls big. was like to me, she reminds me of like a generic Nia Jack. And people whose names aren't even important enough for me to remember.
0: Honestly, I switched the channel to NXT at that point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just, I think, I think their women's division is really, really. Real. And I heard awesome Kong, something happened, some type of injury, but she may be done.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't hear but that. I agree with you. I think, uh, Scott, you agree with Christian on that too with uh, the status of the women's division.
1: Yeah, AEW, women's terrible.
2: I think you got to put the belt on for a measure. I mean, I think, got just I mean, that's, I guess, I think that's a no brainer at this point. Yeah, and I yeah. think you have to keep Tony Schiavone somehow mixed in the
0: angle. Well, I tell you one thing: AEW's tag division in the for men's it's really turned into a nice division, I think. And I want to go back a little bit and talk about that match on Wednesday night with Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus Lucha mm-hmm. Brothers Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. I thought that was a oh, fantastic God. match. Fantastic match. Scott, what was your take
1: on that match? I thought it was a great match. Those guys really brought it. I mean they they brought the house down. Overall, AEW's wrestling, uh, you know that for that episode of Dynamite was amazing. I mean, I'm with you. You made the statement earlier that that was probably the best one that you'd seen, and I, I'll say it's the best one I've seen since probably the first two or three episodes. Because of course they brought it everything they had at the at the beginning to get everybody's interest, but then it kind of lulled. And I I think this past Wednesday was awesome. I think they did a great job. Yeah. Christian, what was your take on that match?
2: You know what I love about the tag division? I love the the 10-second rule versus the 5-second rule on how long the illegal man can be in the ring.
0: I don't think they were think enforcing it, I, it in that last match. I
2: think match. It's genius. I think it's genius. So many more cool things happen. I thought the match was phenomenal, but I really love that. I think they have, by far, by far, the best tag team division in all of wrestling. I mean, I would love to see the Revival down there.
0: Well, I think uh, Um, that might happen.
2: Well, we keep hearing it. Yeah, we keep hearing it. it. He keeps throwing money at Revival just to keep them from going down there. Yeah. But, man, the match was great. But I, I don't know if we talked about this or not. I think the 10-second rule and then pointing out. And then, uh, and then Jim Moss, who, God, well, he's he's trying his best to adapt from old school to new school. Even him saying, you know, that's something completely different that puts a new aspect on the match. A 10-second count versus a 5-second count. Which really, we both know, we all know, that really that could really be a 20-second count, you know. I just think a lot more cool stuff can happen with that rule. And I think the Lucha Brothers, I mean, are definitely future tight team champions.
0: I think their moves are just fantastic. I mean, if it wasn't – well, I guess going back to your point, Christian, when we were talking about the Rhea Ripley match versus Bianca Belair in NXT, I mean, you know all this stuff with the Bucks and Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page was going to lead to a match between those teams in the pay-per-view. But that being said, I mean the the Lucha brothers, their moves were just fantastic. I mean you know,
2: I mean, you know what? And and I think this is the exact opposite of that. Like it's to where we knew we knew that the Lucha Brothers were gonna lose, mm-hmm. but I was able to suspend my belief and, and still really enjoy the match and not have that affect the match as opposed to the NXT women's title match the pay per view.
0: Yeah. I mean, I enjoy both a matches. It's but...
2: a testament to how good the Lucha Brothers are.
0: Well, I tell you what, I mean, if you put the Lucha – just talking about the depth of this tag team division, I mean, I would love to see, like, the Lucha Brothers have another match with um, SoCal Uncensored, or you put them with uh, Santana and Ortiz. I mean, those teams can flat move.
1: Lucha Brothers versus Santana and Ortiz would be money.
2: So many good tag teams. I even think they could go back to the old – NWA days where they had United States Tag Team Titles.
0: Yeah, and you know, they may go that route, you know, as they get more teams. I know the, they're they're looking at maybe pushing the best best friends having a feud with the Butcher and the Blade, and and that's good, you know, just keeping these teams more into their own feuds and more in the the mindset. The Butcher has it. a great look game.
2: great old school look game.
0: What's his background? Because I wasn't familiar with him. When he, uh, I, can't
2: find, I, I can't find anything on him.
1: Right. Me neither. I, I don't know anything about him, and that's very unusual. Usually I can recognize him.
2: I'm, I'm guessing that Cody and the Bucks, just from all of their Japan trips and all their Indies, have just been able to... Find people that the WWE have not just by being on shows with them and being like, man, I bet this guy would be good for AEW. Well,
0: he does look like somebody that works in the meat department of Publix or Croak.
2: <laughs> and God, Bunny's great too. <laughs> she is. Which, yeah, you know, to go back to the women's division, both Bunny and what's the girl's name that used to be Johnny Johnny Gargantua's girl, and now she's with. Oh yeah. A hot yeah. She's with uh
1: I know exactly who you're talking about, but I can't think of her name.
2: The, the girl who comes out and is always making out with her boyfriend during Johnny Gargan. Or no, bad boy Johnny, Janello.
1: Yeah, Joey Janello, his ex girlfriend.
2: His ex girlfriend. The one who comes out with the other pretty boy. Anyway, they both such do doing her camera's during matches. I mean, you put Bonnie and you put that girl and you put Randy Rhodes back into the women's division. Well, then all of a sudden, I think now you have something to kind of build the division around. But, but you know, of more as valets at this point. Like I said, I love what they did with Brandy just to make Cody seem more real. But I mean, I, I feel like the Bunny and the other blonde girls should be in the ring.
0: And this is all leading to the upcoming AEW Revolution on Saturday night. So that's going to be in Chicago, which. You know, I think it's kind of interesting for AEW, you know, I'm like, where is really AEW's quote territory? You know, are they kind of a southern brand, kind of like going back to the NWA days or or East Coast? And here, you know, they've gone and done really well in Atlanta. But Chicago was where Cody and the Young Bucks they put together that first big like joint pay per view with NWA and like it was Cody versus Nick Saldas. and so, I mean, they should get a good crowd in Chicago because, I mean, they sold out it, their pay-per-view.
2: It, it is sold out. And what's funny, I put a late call. I still keep in touch with uh, with Punk and was trying to see if, I could, uh, if he could get me any tickets. And uh, he said for this one, he couldn't get me any. He said I should have called him a month ago.
0: Yeah, Because it, it was kind of interesting. You know, the, they always say, well, WCW would still be going today. If they had just stayed, just like Midwest and to the East Coast, instead they're trying to be a national company and they just couldn't compete. But they were always, you know, really hot in Atlanta and the the South and North Carolina, and of course Charlotte was always a big area. But it looks like AEW they're trying to be national.
2: Well, and I think when you have TNT, when you have when you have a show on TNT, and it looks like their other shows going to be on TBS.
0: When's that going to Yeah, gonna those, are, air?
2: Those, are, those, are national, those are national channels.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping it's a big success for them because you know, we've mentioned on these shows that it is important for AEW to be good because it pushes WWE to be better. And, of course, NXT... Doesn't
2: isn't. seem like it has lately. But, again, I'll tell you what I mean I'm interested in. I'm going to go ahead and put the gauntlet down now for you. I'm expecting a tremendous... Live report from WrestleMania weekend, not live, but after WrestleMania for you to give us a full report of access and what it's like to be there. I'm excited to hear all about that, who all you meet, who's nice, who's a jerk, who you can talk with from.
0: Number one on my list to meet. I want to meet Otis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I want you could get Otis to plug, to plug the podcast.
0: I want to get Otis on really bad for this show. I think he'd be really funny. It was funny. And by the
2: way, I, I really hated it. I was really disappointed. They're slow building this Otis Mandy thing. a little too slow for my taste. I it's agree. Probably, i was very disappointed.
0: Yeah, we're, we're disappointed in that. But maybe they can write the ship. But uh, but anyway, the idea was I, I was always thinking of different guests to bring on. And I was talking to a, a media personality here in where I live, and they want me to go on their show and try to build up our podcast following and everything. Well, they're bringing in Hacksaw Jim Duggan for like an awards ceremony. And so I, che- I was checking out Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and you can like book him and stuff. And he was on a podcast with Jericho and had a lot of good stories and things. So I'm going to try to get Hacksaw Jim Duggan to come on because, of course, he was involved in the famous arrest where he was traveling with the Iron Sheik and basically, got arrested.
2: Basically, he's the first one to break K-fabe, but him yeah. and the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Caught smoking weed and I think had some coke in the car. The American hero and the Iranian villain doing drugs together, getting arrested together.
0: Well, according according to Hacksaw Jim Duggan's interview on Jericho's podcast, which is Talk is Jericho. We'll plug his podcast for those who want to listen. But um he was saying, see, Duggan worked it in Mid South for so long with Bill Watts and then UWF and he's like, Yeah, you know, if you're in Louisiana driving with a beer that's not really that big of a deal when a cop pulls you over they just say to put it away well wherever they got arrested i think it was in new jersey that that was like a huge deal and they had them pulled over and all, all that stuff and like if i saw a hack saw jim duggan i'm like you know what when you got arrested with the iron Sheik, because he was doing the whole whole all-american thing with the chic i'm like that was a perfect, like, promo. You should have turned that where you guys got into a fight and, like, you're busting the Iron Sheik on the side of the road. That's, that's <laughs> how far you're going with the all-American thing. You're busting this guy, having the cops involved.
2: The cop means they both got arrested. I
0: know, but I was like, maybe that could turn it into a, a positive story. But, but, yeah, and I am I looking forward to it. I think
2: Jim's trying to act like it never happened. Yeah. Oh, and I would be remiss if I didn't point out one more thing that we talked about off air. When the Dark Order came out for the promo during the Battle Royal, and you can go to Twitter and you can find plenty of pictures of it, when he mentions the exalted one is near, very aged Raven is sitting there in the crowd. And on Twitter, a lot of pictures, you know, circle, highlight them close up on him right there. I don't know if it means anything. I noticed the announcers did not mention that it was Raven. But I be something you all want to take a look at is go back and watch the second. Says the exalted one is near. You can see Raven sitting in a chair, kind of away from the crowd, directly behind him. Mm,
0: that is interesting. Well, I tell you what, I'm gonna go ahead and bring this episode to to a close because we had a good discussion with the guys here about NXT and AEW. I think we all agree that you know these. Two brands right now are the most enjoyable for us to watch. We like the direction that they're going. You know, we think AEW Revolution should be off the charts this weekend. So for the listeners, you know, definitely want to check that out on pay-per-view. It's um, this Saturday, February 29th, coming to you from Chicago. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how these brands continue to develop and grow. And, you know, we're seeing better and better wrestling over, over the weeks. And I just think it's going to continue to get better. So, Christian, any final words? As we exit. Actually- no, just,
2: uh, very, very happy to join you. Very happy that you decided uh, to go ahead and get the access and the next you take over and to enjoy the entire WrestleMania experience. You're going to be doing it anyway. So uh, I'm excited for you to get to do that. And I'm excited to get a full report on that. Yep. And uh, I think the AEW pay-per-view is going to be off the charts and I'm really looking forward. You know, it's kind of sad Mon- on Monday night. I used to get really excited for Raw it's just not there anymore I DVR 7 hours of wrestling a week no I'm sorry 3 plus 5 yes yeah. no 9 and I watch AEW is the only one I always watch beginning to end Raw and Smackdown I DVR through at least 60% of both of them which is kind of sad
1: Well, there's lots of arms and legs to to both of them. They've both got me intrigued and interested. This podcast has actually brought me back around to being excited about it again. And those two brands have brought me back around to being excited about it again. And I'm 100% in agreement with Christian. I rarely watch Raw on Monday nights. And when I do, it's uh, DVR and fast forward and, and all that. And I did, I have to admit, I did actually sit still long enough to watch most of SmackDown this past Friday night just because I was in the right place at the right time. But the two hot brands right now are, are Wednesday nights, NXT and AEW. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for both.
2: Good week for AEW. Wednesday night, Saturday night, I think, I think they're going to deliver.
1: Yep, I agree. And to add to Christian's statement, I am looking so forward to Ben Wilson's trip to WrestleMania and the Summary recap of that weekend.
2: Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm excited for you.
0: Yeah. yeah, It's going to be in Tampa the first weekend of April. So, I mean, they've got a litany of activities you know,
2: going we, You need to try to plan on the three of us going to the next next year.
0: Yeah. Well, it's uh, More, really.
2: Honestly, I'd rather go to an AEW paper. Yeah. Oh, side note. Ponzi is coming to play here in Louisville at a small venue soon. I was able to make a call to my old friend, Kevin Owens, uh, a.k.a. Kevin Steen. Mm. And looks like he's going to be able to hook it up where I'm going to get to meet and hang out with Jericho for a few minutes. So I will make sure to keep you all in the
0: loop on that. Yeah, you need to recruiting for the show because I did send an email to – I've been to some Foz, a Fozzie concert, and it was, it was really good. I emailed the Fozzie website because I'd corresponded with her manager in the past, and I was like, hey, I'd love to have Jericho on the show and even bring – a couple of guys from Fozzie if they want because they're getting ready to go on this tour and we, we could talk not only wrestling but also talk about their music because I'm a fan of the band. No,
2: yeah, I'll, I'll Dude, I'll, I'll throw everything at him and I'll at least try to get a, uh, a sound clip or a, a video clip of uh, of him at least uh, promoting the podcast.
0: Yeah, well, the thing, with, the thing with Jericho too, he just lives over in Tampa, so he's not that far from me. So even if he didn't want to re- record remotely, which you probably would, I don't mind to go and go over to him. But anyway, we will see what happens. I guess in order to get uh, people like that on barely, the show.
2: Apparently, Kevin, Kevin said he's going to be able to hook me up with a little bit of FaceTime with him. So they, they keep in touch, Kevin said, and uh, he made the call for me. So yeah, I, I got him out of the feeding ticket last time Rob was in town. So he owed me one. So. Yeah.
0: Well, well, I was take I, Kevin I was on the air, the too. It. I mean, because... In fairness, you know, with with Owens, I mean, he's a kind of guy that he can deliver in any scenario, heel or face. So, so, And he's always good on the mic, too. Well, guys, right. I'm going to go ahead and end this one because one of my goals for our show, last time we went almost three hours, so we're about half that, so so we're getting better. But it's, once you start talking <laughs> wrestling, it's kind of hard to just – uh,
2: I have to talk all day.
0: Yeah. So, but um, anyway, Christian, thanks so much for coming on the show. really appreciate it. Scott, the same to you.
2: Always a pleasure to join you two. Uh, Always a good time. I I appreciate uh, being invited and look forward to talking to you all uh, in the future and uh, online about this week in wrestling.
0: See, you're you're just part of our inner circle.
2: Uh, I guess I'm more of the guy they just brought in. What's his name? Jeff Cobb. (laughs) I guess Ben is like champion of this one, and I guess Rodney is more of uh, Sammy. I guess me and Scott are more like Hager and we're more like the henchman.
0: Yeah. So well, anyway, good uh, good podcast, guys. Appreciate y'all coming on, and we'll get together for another one. I guess really, we'll we'll have to discuss the AEW pay per view, and you know we'll have some big matches. We'll have hopefully we'll, 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 we'll the road to
2: WrestleMania will give us something to talk
0: about. I think it will. I think it will. So, all right. Well, Christian, thanks so much for coming on. I'll uh, go ahead and sign you off now, and then Scott will finish up. And
2: Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. You all have a good week.
0: All right. You too. Bye-bye. All, right, bye. all right. So, Scott, thanks so much for coming on. And just kind of a for our guest, you'll notice that Scott's audio quality should be better for this episode. He, he got a new mic for his computer, so thrilled about that. So always looking to upgrade the sound quality here but the most important thing for our podcast is to deliver good content so hopefully our guests are enjoying that it is a good time to be a wrestling fan with all the talent that is out there you know with all the different brands and like we were mentioning earlier you know christian says he's having to dvr nine hours of wrestling i mean i'm trying my best to watch but that's a good problem to have and i don't even follow stuff like ring of honor or nwa and all that so a lot of good content going on out there but uh Scott, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And um, so we'll be in touch. And everyone who's listening, have a great week. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ben. See you all later.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at
0: benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.